that says, oh, you go to school, you, you get married, you have kids, you buy a house, you retire, you pass it. That's gone. Welcome to Portfolio Pulse, the money podcast for medical professionals and entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Stephen Husky, owner of Husky Financial Consulting and Wealth Management. Our goal is to help leaders accumulate wealth and empower them to build the life they deserve. Each week, we interview a purpose-driven leader or medical professional that is building a thriving business with community impact. We ask tough questions, learn the habits they practice to build successful careers, and discover a secret they can pass on to help others build their businesses. It's time to talk money, meaning, and maximum impact. Hello and welcome to Portfolio Pulse, the go-to podcast for medical professionals and entrepreneurs hoping to learn more about achieving financial wellness, accumulating wealth, and building the life they deserve. This podcast is aimed at reaching those interested in healthcare, education, all things finance, and business ownership. Today's guest is Jay Zygmunt, PhD and CFP, and he's a life and business coach who specializes in financial planning for those who are child-free or permanently childless. While most financial advice treats parenthood as the default, Dr. J has created a life and financial planning system that centers the unique needs of those whose futures don't include kids. Earning his first million by 21 and losing it by 25, he learned the hard way how crucial it is to learn how to manage and invest money. He's now on a mission to teach foundational principles of money management to others so they can create financial plans that support the vision they have for their child-free futures. He's been featured in articles on Market Watch, The Wall Street Journal, Business Insider, and also is the author of the book, Portraits of Child-Free Wealth, and the co-host of the Child-Free Life and Money podcast. Welcome to the show, Jay. Hey, thanks for having me. Yes, sir. So tell us where you're located. I'm in Mississippi, so it's a little bit warmer and more humid here than I think where you are. I don't know. I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. We might rival you. <laughs> I don't know. The last couple of days, it's been so hot. You go outside and you just going to need a shower, so... <laughs> Yeah, man. So I'm glad that we got together today. Our first conversation together was um, a little different than the ones I usually have. And it's all because you're focusing on child-free wealth. Tell us more about what that is and why you chose to focus on that. Yeah. So my wife and I are child-free and I set out for research to kind of figure out, are we weird? You know, who are we? What do we do? How do we fit in the world? And we are weird. We both have PhDs. So that makes it a little weird, but come <laughs> to find out about 25% of the U.S. is child-free or permanently childless. And what was interesting is at the same time I was finishing my CFP and there's no mention, it doesn't exist in the literature. Just, you know, everybody assumes you can have kids and that's a problem. You know, mm -hmm. if we're going to assume that 25% of the U S could be treated just like everybody else, well, we need to figure that out. So being a researcher, I dove deep, started asking a whole lot of questions and come to find out child-free people have different needs, different life, different financial plans than most. Interesting. So you focused on that as a really good niche for your practice. Not only can you use your own personal uh, experience with that, but you know the ins and outs of what a child-free wealth plan might actually look like. So how does that differ from what a, a normal default financial plan might look like for those with children? I think the, to think about it in the big picture, if we start with the end and work our way backwards, it might help. So for example, most 90 plus percent of child-free folks don't care about how much they pass on to the next generation. So if you, if you haven't read the book, Die With Zero, that's that concept of, hey, I wanna maximize my time, money, and my health and spend it throughout my life, do my giving throughout my life and not worry about a state plan. Now think about it. If you say, hey, I don't wanna pass on money at the end. I mean, we don't wanna run on money. That's a different question. You know, like, you know, don't wanna like literally have zero. But if you don't wanna have, pass on the next generation, 
you can choose a completely different life because you have to bend the net worth curve. You know, if you look at it, all our software does, you know, Monte Carlo simulations, hoping to not run out of money. And if it says 99% success, well, for a child free person, that's a 99% failure. Mm-hmm. So even the systems, the structures, the planning, it's all different. And it's more than just, hey, let me pluck out kids and, you know, you don't have that expense. It is, you know, the way we say it is living a life of child-free wealth means you have time, money, and freedom to do what you want. Doesn't mean you're rich. You know, there's still income disparities. There's still the same issues as the whole country, but a lot more flexibility. That's a good point. Um, I guess thinking about things a little bit differently, what are some of the lessons you'd like to share with those who are maybe a little bit younger or those who never had children? What can they look to, maybe what are some things that you can share? Maybe one or two principles that you can share that uh, maybe they should start considering right away. And if they're interested in learning more about how to plan for that, how can they get in contact with you? Yeah. So the, the, the big change I say for everybody is you start with what life you want to live first, then your finances, then your taxes. And most people can follow that, but that's not the way financial planning usually works. It's kind of like, well, when can I retire? When you have enough money? Well, for child-free folks, it's, well, do you want to retire? Is that your goal? Which is kind of weird. You know, we're living a different life plan and that'll change everything else. And I find I spend just as much time on that life planning side of saying, you know, all right, what do you want to be when you grow up? Which has nothing to do with age. You know, what do you want the next 40 years of your life to look like? Mm -hmm. And that's hard because we're not following the standard life script. So we get to write our own. But unfortunately, when you get to write your own, it's kind of overwhelming because there's too many choices. If you do want to reach out, childfreewealth.com, childfreewealth on all the socials, Instagram being our big one, and we have the Child Free Wealth podcast. And really what we're trying to dive into is, okay, since most, if not nearly all of the financial advice out there assumes you have kids, well, how's it different? Right. That out-of-the-box financial plan is not necessarily going to work for you. <laughs> that, absolutely. And, and if you follow the advice, you know, the, even the safe withdrawal rate, you know, which people debate all day long, I don't care if it's 4% or what percent you want to go with. Cool. But the core concept there is you want to save the principal. Yep. Well, that even that simple rule that the fire community loves, and, and I'm not saying it's good or bad, I'm just saying simple rule of thumb, all doesn't fit child-free folks. I think what we need to talk about here a little bit more about the industry as a whole is you mentioned the 4% rule doesn't work for everybody, the fire folks, the Dave Ramsey folks, the white coat investor folks. What do you think blanket advice for all of those different groups of people? How does it positively impact or negatively impact those individuals? Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it is the internet. We have people mixing recipes, you know, saying a little bit from here, a little bit from there. And it's like you're making a brisket and a brownie at the same time. You don't know what you're (laughs) going to get, you know, and and I happen to be on the no debt side. And, you know, if you want to follow the first three steps of Dave Ramsey and, you know, get out of debt, cool. Uh, You know, I mean, it's chicken soup for the soul. I mean, you know, you know, don't have debt. Cool. Get on a budget, have an emergency fund. I can't argue with that. Right. Then in, we take hard turns. Yes. Yeah. You know, like, like a great example of this for child free folks, buying a house is a choice, not a requirement. Now people will say, well, owning a house is one of the pillars of your retirement plan. Well, that's the old school thing. You know, you're buying the house, you're going to stay in it for life. You're going to pay it off. You're going to, that's not the case. Right. You know, when I got child free folks that are moving every two, three years, it makes no sense to buy a house. You know, renting's okay, and, but it's just the, the the hard and fast rules they say for everybody. It's like a shirt that this one size fits all fits nobody. So with things like that, I think it's I think it's appropriate to approach those advice um, 
books or outlets or whatever with a grain of salt, you know, choose from what, what, what works for you and maybe put, you know, push the rest off because it's not necessarily going to fit what your plan looks like. I'd like to hear a little bit more about portraits of child-free wealth. What inspired you to write this book? How has it made you more marketable and approachable? And is this something that you give out to tell people a little bit more about your process and your philosophy? Well, I actually set out to understand child-free folks because there was nothing in the literature. Like there was no guide, no let's dive in and this is what to do. So I went out and did a whole bunch of interviews, spent a little over an hour with each person and said, what's your life like? What is it like to live a life of child-free wealth? And that's what the, the book is. It's a collection of 26 different stories of people's lives. And it's interesting. I have people from 21 to the 50s and all different types of life. I have people that, you know, they're happy they got off an air mattress and I got people that, you know, retired in their 40s. You know, so there, there's a wide range. But what I found was as a whole, they're happy, which is kind of weird. You know, I also did a survey with it and found out child-free folks' net worth, really not that much different than anyone else, which is surprising to some because, well, you know, you, you're saving money. Yeah, but growing a giant net worth isn't a goal. Mm -hmm. But I asked the question, are you happy? Well, over 90% said, yep, I'm happy. And the ones that said no, were like, it's not because I'm child-free or not. It's, you know, more of just, you know, things going on in my life, medical issues, whatever else is going on. And part of the reason I was trying to do that was to get to this question to go, well, if you're going to be child-free, you'll regret it. You know, later in your life, you'll regret it. You're the, there's all these assumptions and judgments. And I was just looking for people to share what their life is like and go, hey, I'm not saying you should do it. You shouldn't. It's just, it's okay for me. And it works. And what was amazing to me was the amount of people that said, well, I didn't even realize I had a choice to have kids or not. You know, I was always raised. I had to. I had to do this. I had to do that. And they're just sharing this and it's nice to see people say, you know what? I'm okay with my life. I'm not asking you to change your life. We're not, yeah, I joke about it, but we're not trying to recruit people to the child-free cause. We're just <laughs> trying to support the people who that's their life. Yeah. It's um, don't, don't recruit me to a lifestyle that maybe I don't need or want, because I think that's expected of me. I think, you know, my generation and possibly your generation as well is more going in their own route, kind of paving their own course for life which I think is super important. It is not, it doesn't need to be a default for what people need to do based on assumptions. Right. So I'm sure that your podcast covers a lot of these different areas of thought. And so I want to hear, you know, a little bit more about your podcast, what's it called and what kind of guests do you have? Or is it really just you speaking on different subjects? Tell us more about that. So it's a child-free wealth podcast. Uh, my co-host is Brie Khan. She actually works with me. It's kind of interesting. We're uh, she's Gen Z and I'm Gen X. So you got to see 20 years difference. Uh, it's always entertaining to see the difference in generations, but we're trying to find a combination between the life and money routines. So the life, when you said, Hey, that default choice, we call it the standard life script or the standard life plan that says, Oh, you go to school, you, you get married, you have kids, you buy a house, you retire, you pass. Into... That's gone. So we're trying to show people, okay, here are other options. Here's how it impacts your life here, impacts your finances, bring people in to talk about their life, their finances, their structure. We actually did a series of six episodes. We recorded actual you know, life and financial planning for six episodes with somebody said, okay, let's dive into your stuff. And it's funny, they, they had a great example. For child-free folks, life insurance, not really a big deal. If, you, if you're solo, no kids, probably very little or no need, two of you, chances are you each can live on your own, your own incomes. Unless you got a business, you got to do something. Very little need for life insurance. Right. Big need for disability insurance. Absolutely. So 
I sent these clients and I said, Hey, you know, go get a disability quote. And I gave them a couple of things and they went to a local place. Uh, I'm going to, they're going to remain nameless because I don't want to shame them. Went to the place, they walked out with a half a dozen life insurance quotes and you know, a disability quote that was like covered like 1200 bucks a month, like useless. Wow. And they, they didn't realize it because they walked out with quotes. They're like, Hey, I got your quotes for insurance. And I'm like, Yep, these are all different versions of life insurance that you don't need. But that's what they're used, you know, that's what the insurance company wanted to sell. And that's what they, the default. And people don't even realize this stuff because it's just an assumption. Yep, you got to do this. And wasn't what they needed. But, you know, that's all in the podcast. We actually share their episodes, share their life so that you can dive into other people's, you know, kind of be the fly on the wall. You know, I have conversations about protection, usually in like the first meeting or two of, of working with somebody. And I think disability insurance is one of those intangible pieces of protection that people really have a hard time understanding. And I think it's because we all see that there is a finite number of years in our life. We know we're going to die. That's more tangible, but disability, it's like, this may or may not happen to me. Why do I need this? And how much do I need? And how does it work? And all of that. So the statistics around that is, you know, if there's four people sitting at a table, one of us is going to experience a long-term disability before we reach age 65. And nine out of 10 of those cases are usually health related musculoskeletal issues, cancer, stroke, heart attack, you know, something depression. What do you say to folks who don't necessarily understand how disability insurance works, why they need above and beyond what their group may offer at work? Uh, tell us more about your philosophy around that. Absolutely. And I end up, so I, I'm what's called an advice only financial planner. I don't sell any products. So sure. I always tell people up front, Hey, I'm not selling you insurance, you know, and that's actually important to tell people because they've been sold stuff too much. Mm -hmm. You know, especially life insurance and a few other things. And I said, okay, I'm not trying to sell you anything, but here's the bottom line. You know, 32.1% of childless folks will never be married. And that's a, from the U.S. Census. If, you're, if you are single and you're on disability, you're screwed. I mean, I, I hate to be rude about it, but that's how I tell people. I'm like, Social Security disability pays nothing. I mean, like... Right. <laughs> it's so small, just ignore it. Like it, and, it's and, yeah, and it's like a three-year battle to even get approved for it, you know? Yeah, it, it's just ignore that. So I said, okay, how would you live your life with no salary? And they said, well, that wouldn't. I'm like, okay, real simple. Then we got to get disability insurance. And it's not a hard sell, but what's interesting to me is people, you know, I'll go through their, their open enrollment package, all that. They've opted into all the life insurance and, and opted out of the disability. Never mind even getting outside on the outside, just like the basics. Mm -hmm. I'm like, we got to fix this. And they said, well, but, you know, do I need life insurance? Well, you know, we can talk through that. You know, I, the way I look at life insurance is if it's like three bucks, I don't care. Like, you know, like the, you know, the company provided like cheap one, don't care. Well, let's do it. The interesting thing is they're reaching out to me. They'd rather talk about long-term care. And how do I pay for that? Because of we always get the question, well, who's going to take care when you're older? But I'm like, yep, we can fix that. Well, we definitely need a plan for long-term care. But you know what? If you don't have a salary, we're not even going to get to that question. Exactly. Cash flow is the greatest asset that people maybe not know the extent to how important it is. I mean, yes, you got a house, you got a car, even your business. If you're a business owner, it's your greatest asset because it's providing every bit of your cash flow for you. But if you can't work inside that business, you're now a liability on that business's balance sheet because you're not providing any income. So disability insurance, again, I, I'm not advocating one way or the other, but I think it's a super important piece of a financial plan because the financial plan is, is dictated by how much cash flow you're bringing in. 
So if you don't have disability insurance, go out and get some quotes, look for it. I think that's super important. Let's talk about the uh, <clears throat> the growth of wealth. You know, these individuals have different goals and different concerns without children. How can they grow their wealth uh, and how can they use it in a manner that gives them the best lifestyle possible? It's interesting. I probably spend more time talking about how to spend their money than how to grow it. Because mm-hmm. I get these people that have, you know, done the done the good boy, good girl things. You know, they've saved well, they put money away. And I'm really in a simple passive investing, you know, three point portfolio, set it, forget it. No big deal there. But then it's like, okay, at some point you need to bend the curve if you're going to die with zero. And that's one of those interesting discussions because there's the, hey, I, I want to work. I want to find that, you know, whatever my meaning in life is. And I say to people, okay, cool. If your retirement's not your goal, you want to work. How do we dial it back? How do we find the balance? We call it file, financial independence, live early of, you know, the right amount of work at the right time. Because at some point, growing your income only grows your estate and grows your net worth for your estate that you don't care about. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing for people to understand. You know, when you say, well, at some point, you need to start spending this money. And they go, but I've been saving forever. I call it the blueberry problem. Because I, I have so many people that is. They buy the, the frozen blueberries because they're a dollar cheaper than the fresh blueberries. And I'm like, just buy the blueberries. You're fine. But you have to reprogram their brain and they don't believe you. You know, I spent a lot of time in the systems and, you know, all the simulation. I'm like, cool. You know, it says, you know, you get somebody in their 30s and 40s, you know, they have no debt, million dollars, two million dollars. By the time they die, they've got a huge estate problem if they don't start spending. And they're like, but that's not possible. I'm like, it's simple math. <laughs> you're spending less than your portfolio is growing. It's going to keep going in that direction. Right. And they're like, but, but, and I'm like, you don't have to worry about it. my job. My goal is really to have their money be really boring. So their life can be awesome. I like that. That's a good mantra. You know, it's financial planning is a lot of psychology. It's creating different thought patterns, different paradigm shifts for people because there's so much herd mentality, media influence, water cooler talk, you know, looking at robo-advisors, going online, doing their own research. And while that's all good and well, and you should be doing that, it's time to seek out a professional that understands your lifestyle, your industry, someone who can give you the right advice and create different habits that you can start exercising and improve your lifestyle overall. That's what I think our profession does so well is trying to create different thought patterns around how they could or should spend or earn their money. So I think what you're doing is a valuable tool for folks who don't have kids. Yeah. And I think the hard part is you called it herd mentality. There's the herd mentality of like, I need to do these good things around my money. Like I hear people, I want to do the right thing. Well, yeah. The right thing for everybody is not the right thing for you. Correct. And that's the hard part is, you know, it's that personal part of finance and saying, okay, here's what you need. And one of the interesting things is when you go against the herd, it fights back. You're like, oh yeah, I'm going to, you know, cut back work in my forties and, and, not necessarily retire, but maybe cut back or whatever. The, the whole herd's like, well, then what are you going to do? I'm going to enjoy my life. Well, but you, but you can't, you got to work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have people like, well, I can't cut out work because other people are struggling. And I'm like, yeah, you can. Just because they're struggling doesn't mean you have to. But right. there's that that ingrained thing, you know, whether it's the middle class work ethic, the Protestant work ethic, what do you want to call it? It's just there. And it's, it's hard to make that shift. I agree. With so much advice is to the default, I think it's important that there's a different outlet that they can look at. Um, since this is a, a podcast around entrepreneurship and, and money, 
for those childless folks you work with that are business owners, how does the advice or how do the questions differ when you're getting into a financial plan with them? It's interesting. I have a lot of child-free folks that choose to start a business, not always for a profit motive. It's kind of like, you know, if I make enough money to break even, make a little, that's fine. Versus, hey, I want to make the, the largest company in the world and you know, the, the biggest profit. And what's interesting about that is they can follow the passion projects. Yeah, you know, I got the person that you know wants to open the cupcake shop. Well, cupcake shops really are not a great profit margin, you know, area, but they're a passion project. I got somebody who wanted to, you know, open a, I got people that, you know, are music teachers, other things where they can own their own job, set their own hours, find the balance. You know, I have somebody in the book who started a marketing company. He's an uh, outsourced marketing for people. He never works more than 25 hours a week and then never on Friday. Like, that's a pretty good life. Right. But here's the thing. All the business literature says, well, here's how to grow. Here's how to, you know, expand. Here's how to, how do you find that balance? You know, I, for me personally, I have this struggle because, you know, I was always taught growing up, whatever you are, be the best at it. And that's just kind of like the mantra. And a lot of entrepreneurs have that in their head. You know, I just want to be the best, the biggest. That's not always the happiest. And that's, that's that hard balance of saying, you know, it's fine to be a small giant. It's fine to, be you know the best at whatever you enjoy, and then not work on Fridays. And I think that's the hard part is to to balance you know everything every all the literature on entrepreneurship is all about growth. You know it's kind of like push 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 do this, and then I'm over here on the other side, the little voice going, "Are you happy with that?" And they go, "No, well then don't do it." Yeah, and that's hard to find. Well, you know if I'm not growing, I'm dying. No. You can have a perfectly fine business. You know, we use I use the profit first model a lot. You can mm -hmm. have a simple business, making a profit. You own your own job and maybe you have one or two employees and you're happy. That's okay. And I think that's the hard part is to find that balance. Because otherwise, I don't know about you, but I, I wake up in the morning with like six business ideas. And if I don't put an end to it, I'm just going to drive myself crazy. Yeah, that's why I keep developing new businesses, I guess. I probably need to slow down a little bit. But um so I think it, I think it's important that you're paving a path for those to follow you that have a, have a different mantra than what everybody else in, in the industry is doing. What is it that you'd like our listeners to know about you, you know, your business, maybe any upcoming events or promotions that you'd like to share? We actually are doing something fun for August 1st is International Child Free Day. People don't know this exists, but it does. It's actually the 50th anniversary. It was originally called Non-Parents Day. Um, and it actually had a parade through New York City and a king and queen at the time. But we're celebrating it by hosting a billboard in Times Square, celebrating what it's like to be child-free, where we've got people, we're sharing their stories of what it's like to be child-free, just that the day exists, all that. So if you happen to be in Times Square, take a snap, throw it on, on socials, but share also what your life is like and what it's like to be child-free. And we're doing that really because we just want to like say, hey, by the way, we're here, you know, and, and it's okay to be child-free. It's interesting. A lot of child-free folks are kind of like quiet about it. they're they're not open that they're child free. We asked actually people to share what their life was like. And people like, yeah, I don't want to be on a billboard sharing my life because you know people don't know I'm child free. Yeah. But we're out there doing that, and they, you know, I joke about it, but it's true. One one of one of my goals at some point, I want to be able to walk into CVS and you know go to the card and have a card from Hallmark saying Happy Child Free Day. You know, it's not <laughs> saying anything about any other days. It's just you know that we exist and it's okay. So that's our big push right now is, you know, we're going to be in, you know, in the bright lights on Times Square, you know, saying, hey, 
it's okay to be child-free and it's okay to understand that finances and life are different for child-free folks. I think that's awesome. I think it's good that you're still promoting that. You're trying to get the message out there. Honestly, there's enough time for you to go create that card on Canva and sell it on your website. <laughs> oh no. See, somebody said that they can get one on Etsy or something like that. I'm like, no, no, no. I want to walk into like a CVS yes. and see it on the shelf. And right. it sounds silly, but it's just an understanding that, oh yeah, by the way, 25% of the US. You know, people don't understand that. That same study out of Michigan found that somewhere around 7% were LGBT. So we're, you know, triple the size, but you would never know that. By the way, 49% of the LGBT community are child-free also. So, I mean, there's a huge overlap, but people don't even realize this group's here. And from a financial standpoint, the finance community just assumes everybody has kids. Like if you look at all the textbooks, it's in the life plans. It's in the, there's not even like a, a, a like asterisk saying, oh, by the way, some people don't follow. Is there a hashtag people can follow for the child-free day? Yep. It's a hashtag celebrate child-free. Perfect, man. Well, it's been excellent having you on. I appreciate it. You got a lot of wealth and knowledge around how to build child-free wealth and paving a different path for others. So we appreciate your time and I'll put all of your information in the liner notes and looking forward to seeing how you grow. Thanks for having me. Now you got to find that balance for your businesses and not uh, you know, drive yourself crazy. That's true, man. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks for joining us today on Portfolio Pulse. If you found this helpful and think others deserve to hear about us as well, please like, subscribe, and share us across any platform on social media or your podcast platform of choice. That's it for today. Remember to be happy, stay healthy, and tune in next time to remain financially fit.